I want to take you to the upper room before Jesus is about to go to the cross, be arrested and go to the cross. And in Luke 22, verse 27, Jesus does exactly what biblical worldview does. He rescues a definition of how people defined importance and greatness. He rescues it and he begins to hold um, two things back to back that I will keep referring to. Because these are his last words before the arrest and the crucifixion to his disciples. And Jesus speaks to them and says this, For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Keep those two words in mind, the recliner and the server. And then Jesus answers the, the question. He says, is it not the one that reclines at the table? What he was saying was, that's the definition of society. But he says, but I'm about to rescue this definition of greatness, this definition of importance. But Jesus says, but I am among you as the one who serves. Now, folks, this is important. One version, the NLT, instead of saying who is greater, asks the question like this. Who is more important or who does society see as more important? And we must redefine with Jesus the greatness and the importance in the mind of these disciples, not only in the disciples, but even in the church today. And that's with Jesus' definition. Because there is a battle, and this is what I, I need you to stay with me on. There is a battle between recliners and servers. There is a battle between those two things, those that want to become recliners and those that want to be servants. Now I want to say something to make a point this is not, God knows my heart, I'm not trying to be defensive here. It is, I understand the battle that this pulpit and this church goes through, so this is not a soapbox and this is not a defensive mode. It is just making a point of recliners and servers. Because the danger is, there is a dangerous trend that is happening. The, and, and get ready, uh, those, all of our online hosts that are watching um, get ready because this is where they, 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 it starts. There are what we call these keyboard warriors that love to critique from the laptop. They are recliners with a laptop. They have opinions, mindsets, and soapboxes. Here it comes. Because they're not serving and volunteering on the battlefield... It's easy to get critical and censor those who are out fighting the battle, okay? They are recliners and not servants, okay? Get ready because I know they're already typing right now. I already know what's happening. However, there is another trend that I see, I find interesting, and that's this. Those that are in the battle fighting the good fight, those that are on the front lines Get this now. Really, we don't have time to post and be critical and judgmental because our time is being kept up with trying to make a difference instead of reclining with the laptop. Here it comes. Usually what I'm finding out, people who do stuff don't post stuff. Oh, I knew. I knew. I knew in this group, I knew the one o'clock because it's, I, knew, I knew you guys would be in, in, upset. So let me just say that again because, because this, people who are serving and fighting 
don't have a chance to critique and be judgmental. Some, some have criticized this once again. It's just as a point. Some have criticized even the way we do the ABCs here. They, 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 they will tell me it's too simplistic. They're upset with my prayer that I do at the end for people being born again. And my response is, just tell me how you're witnessing and then we'll do it your way. Or you may just be reclining at a laptop with an opinion. But if you have, here it comes, folks. But to me, it's easy to critique from the bleachers than it is on the field. Okay? I want to hear, so if you're typing, I just want to know you've got, we call it in sports, blood on the uniform. Or grass stains on the pants which means you're sliding, diving, and trying. I want to see, is there, is there marks on you? That's why I love when Jane tells us, she leads a connect group from central Illinois. Jane um, has her group meet in person, and Times Square Church is their home church. Her husband can't travel. He is a retired pastor with advanced dementia. And she said that we watch with our group. We have three generations watching services even now. And she says, and there are moments when the preaching happens, my husband with dementia will hear the preaching and the word being preached and something lights up inside of him. And she says, we, we see what God is doing. And she said, just the other day, when the young man finished mowing our lawn last, this was a few days ago, we got into a conversation with him about the Lord, invited him into our home. And after an hour and a half, this hungry heart heard about Jesus, left with a brand new Bible and the marker she put down, and a marker in the book of John. And she said, Pastor Tim, I shared the ABCs of being born again. And I believe it won't be long till his life is surrendered to Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. Whether, whether, if, if somebody has a better plan than ABC, if you go, no, you need to use DEF, I don't, I'll, I'll use whatever. If you're winning souls with DEF or XYZ, just tell me. But don't, don't type it. Tell me who's been won to Christ. Because that's the thing. See, it's the challenging of the recliners. You, the letter U was exciting as we saw the unseen hand of God and his providence in our everyday life. But the letter V is an alarm clock to those who are sleeping. It's a challenge to use the gift of God that God has given to us. That's why, here it comes, folks, V has to be with volunteering and serving with the gift that God has given to us. It is going to be a sober challenge to a consumer-driven culture that has opinions but no battle scars. Challenge, it's a challenge to the recliners to, to, to become servants. So if you're sitting there today reclining, sit up because you're going about to become servants today. V is going to take you off the sidelines, off the bench, and put you on the playing field. And that's why there will always be people who will critique and find fault and condemn and even advise, but, but have never been in the game, have never been in the battle. And that's why we want to get you in the battle. I remember when David Wilkerson, the founder of this church and, and the writer of The Cross on the Switchblade, was talking to his grandson, and his grandson said to him, they said, how could God exist and yet there be so much suffering around the world? 
and listen to one of the greatest apologetic responses I have ever heard on this controversial topic. Listen to Brother Dave, David Wilkerson's response to his grandchildren because he's going to speak as a server, not a recliner that comes up that can type the question, but he is going to speak as a server. Listen to his words. Brother Dave said this, first, the people who complain the most about this question do the least about it. And second, I don't concern myself with this question anymore. I've determined to spend the rest of my life helping everyone who is suffering. He says that's what we're called to do. Folks, that's the challenge for all of us. Because the person that is speaking this way is the one that's volunteering, the one that's serving, the one that's not sitting there pontificating with all of these great thoughts about life's greatest questions. They're going, let's get in the battle, let's get in the fight, and let's see what God can do and how God can use us. There's, there's an amazing challenge that David, the psalmist, tells us in Psalm 110, verse 3. He says, when there is something happening that God is doing, he says, there will be a response from people. Listen to it. He says, your people shall be, what is the word? Volunteers when in the day of your power. He says, when God is moving, when God is doing something, he says, then it's calling from a response from the people, which means I believe today this is a day of his power. Now it's our move. Will we volunteer? Will we, will we act according to David's psalm and the next move being part of that day of power? And that's why this is so important. The day of his power came in the book of Acts from Acts 1 through 5. It was a day of his power. And then in Acts 6, it was calling for the volunteers. If you remember the story, God was moving mightily, and then the next, the next move needed the people of God to go, we will be there. Listen to it. It says in Acts 6.1, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, day of his power, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Verse 2, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running the food program. And so brothers, select seven men, here come the volunteers, who are well respected, full of the spirit and wisdom, and let's give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer teaching the word, and the Bible says everyone like this idea. This is amazing. God is moving, and God will always begin to inspire people. There will be things that will arise, things that will happen, that will challenge people to volunteer in the day of his power. What is the day of his power? When we give away, and you see on here, a thousand backpacks to needy families all over, right here in Manhattan. When you begin to see all those people come in from all different religions that live in this area, immigrants and religions all coming together, it's a day of his power going, you can pack a backpack. You can be down here to work with that. This is so important. As we begin to have, really, it becomes a sobering challenge that even Jesus gives to us in Matthew chapter 25. So here it comes. I want you to ponder this question. Here it comes. Get ready now. Why don't chickens eat eggs and cows drink milk? 
Some of you are going, this is a deep church. <laughs> Think for a moment. When was the last time you had a chicken like lay an egg and all of a sudden go, I like, I'd like that over easy, please. Or a cow going, hey, I want mine. Put some Ovaltine in it or Nestle's Quick. But why, why don't, here it comes, why doesn't chickens eat eggs and cows drink milk? Here it comes. This is the way God, this is what I think for us too. It's because God made them in such a way that the gift that they have is not for themselves, but it's for others. Which means when God gives you a gift, it's not for you. It's for other folks that God has given that gift. That's the sobering challenge that Jesus in his last message to his disciples before he would be crucified in that upper room when he was redefining greatness and challenging the recliners to become servers Jesus was making sure his disciples weren't drinking their own milk and eating their own eggs. Because what he does is he's basically telling them, you have, you have been in my presence for three years. Now you need to be challenged to take what you've received and to give it to other people. You've been poured into, now it's time to be poured out. He was basically telling this, you have the, the in sports terms, you have the jersey now it's time to play the game. When you got saved, you got the jersey. Now it's time to get in the game. You were not given this gift to sit. You were given this gift to get in the game. Someone said God's people can be divided into three groups. They said the flint, the sponge, and the honeycomb. He said the flint, that hard piece of rock, says you have to hammer it just to get a chip or a spark from them. He says, then there's the sponge. To get anything from them, you got to squeeze them. He says, but then there's the honeycomb that is overflowing with sweetness every single time. Folks, I don't know about you. I want to be the honeycomb. I don't want to be the person that's got to get squeezed or hammered. Matthew 25 is the parable about two honeycombs and a flint. Matthew 25 is a parable, a story about three men who were given different talents and told to do something with them. Matthew 25 is a last day's challenge about accountability with what God has given to us. The great writer on prayer from the, from the, the, the 20th century, Andrew Murray, don't miss this, get this. He said this, he says, the world asks, what does a man own? Christ asks, how does he use it? The world wants to know What's in your 401k or do you have a home in the Hamptons or do you have a place in Florida or do you have, where, where are you going? Do you have a place uh, um, in Italy or a place over here? But Christ asks, how are you using what you've been given? One day Jesus will ask me, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? Because it's, it's not what I have, but how I use it. Or the great evangelist, Billy Graham said it like this, God has given us two hands one to receive, but the other to give with. We're not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for giving. And that's why this is so key for us today. No church or ministry, I believe, has a lack of gifts. We just have to remind people the purpose of the two hands. God gives so you can give. But every gift needs a good and faithful servant to multiply it. But listen to Jesus' sobering 
challenge. Here's the story he tells in that upper room. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them to when he gave five talents to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability. He went on his journey and immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who received two talents gained two more, but the one who received one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. It's three men given three different amounts, three different talents, but they all have the same assignment. Return something better that you were given. If you were given this talent, then return it better than, the, than how you found it. And the master gives them all enough time to do it because he says he comes back after a long time. And stewardship that Jesus is about to teach us is not about protecting what we are given, but multiplying. It's a challenge from reclining to serving. I want to read to you the response that happens from a paraphrase version called The Message on what happens to the man who sat in the bleachers as a recliner, did nothing with his talent, buried it there, sat in the bleachers, reclined, and when the master came back, gave him exactly what was given to him. Nothing expanded. No lives were changed from him. Nothing happened as a matter of this entrusting and this stewardship that was given to him. Listen to the way the Eugene Peterson paraphrases in the message. The servant given one said, Master, I know you have a high standard and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. Don't miss this next phrase. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? Folks, this, this is scathing language to recliners. It's scathing language to those that have been given a great gift from the master, starting with salvation. Folks, think about all that God has given to us. Starting with salvation. Some of us have, ex have experienced healing. Some of us will experience tonight the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of us have received the gift of provision, the gift of wisdom. God has given so much. Is anybody here going, God has been generous to me and into my life? Now, listen. Then here it comes. It's criminal to live cautiously with what God has entrusted to us if God has given you and me a gift, then that gift has to get bigger and better. That gift is given to us no matter what, whether it's five, two, or one. Even if God gives you one, God goes, I want you to use one. When I was thinking of the one, I was thinking of the story of what God has, is presently doing in the nation of China and the revival that is happening in the underground church is, is nothing but revival and a miracle. The catalyst that was used there was back in 1866 was Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor was that missionary that began to see the gospel come to China, and which is literally expanding today. Think about the one talent man. While Hudson Taylor was speaking in Glasgow, Scotland, at the conclusion of a service, this man came hobbling up to him 
who literally had a wooden leg. It was a peg leg. That's what he had. It would be like a pirate. There was no prosthetic that made it look like skin and a foot. It was a stick peg leg that this man, he hobbles up to, to, to Hudson Taylor and says, God has called me to China. And the Hudson Taylor wrote, he said, I looked down and saw, and saw the condition that he was in. He says, why? You can't go to China in that condition. And the man said to him, he says, God spoke to me. I'm going to China with you. He says, then, then, then what did God say to you? And he quoted to him, it's a great verse, Isaiah 33, 23. Listen to what it says. The lame will take the prey. Okay, the lame will take, and Hudson Taylor said, he said, well, you're lame. And he goes, and there's plenty of prey in China. So he says, I guess you can go. While this man gets on a ship going to China to share the gospel, some people on the ship said, why are you going to China as a missionary? Now this is, this, you can just say he's a one talent man, one leg, the other's a, a peg leg. He says, why are you going to China as a missionary in your condition? And this is what he said, don't miss these words. He says, well, I don't see many two-legged people going, so I'm going with one leg. Now listen, when, when he gets there, they said they've, no one has ever seen someone walk this, this, this foreigner come with a wooden leg. They said it was amazing. They gave him the job of going door to door sharing the gospel. They said every time they try to slam the door, he'd stick in his leg. And no one could slam the door. And so he would begin to share with them. And God used that peg leg to begin to start bringing the gospel into China. Who knows what God can do even when we give him one talent. It was the great D.L. Moody who wrote the following words in, in his Bible in Isaiah 6, 8. Then when God says, whom can I send and who will go for us? D.L. Moody in his Bible wrote these words in the column. He says, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do it. All this man had was one good leg, but God used a wooden leg. He just needs us to be at his disposal. Now, let me just say this for a moment because I, I want to speak to you as a wooden leg man. Listen, I want to talk to next gen for just a moment because it's a question that I get asked all the time by those, especially high school or college, and they'll ask me this question. Pastor Tim, how do I find my calling? How do I find what God wants me to do? How do I find out what God is calling me to do or God calling me to be? Here is the answer I give every single time serve and you'll discover it. Don't recline, serve and you'll discover it. Many times the first things you do may not be the calling, but it's the entry ramp to get you closer. Say yes to serving opportunities. And, and let me just say this, let me, let, now, okay, before I continue to pick on next gen, let me, let me speak to old people and in, 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 in think, because when you, when you start saying yes 
as a young person, there are times later on, there are other seasons of older people's life, you got to say yes too. Because God may be giving you a new chapter. You may be retired. You may find yourself in a new season of life. Listen, God calls Abraham at 75 years old to be the father of a 75. While you're, while you're collecting social security and getting your AARP card, Abraham is, is getting a new assignment and had to say yes to it. What about Moses at 80 years old? 80 years old. Folks, at this point, he's supposed to be kind of working on his will and going into assisted living. And God's going, nope, you're going to deliver people out of Egypt now. So let me just say something. Listen, old people, I mean, talking to old, old people, you got to start saying yes too. Okay? You can't just sit there going like, I'm old. Yeah, talk to Abraham and Moses. Listen, just say yes and watch what God does. When, when, when David Wilkerson asked me to go to Detroit at 19 years old, and I said yes to going on a two-month missions trip, I had no idea that every time I said yes, it was bringing me closer to what God was calling in my life. Folks, I'm in college studying to follow in the footsteps of my dad. My dad being NYPD, went to the, um, the FBI National Academy in, in Quantico, Virginia, and rose up through, through the department. I, I, that's what I was called to do because you, because you were in our family. You're either a fireman or you're, a, you're a, a, a policeman. That's what I was doing. But just by saying yes to a missions trip, I didn't realize that God was going to begin to open up doors. Then, then my yeses got crazier. Then, then I said yes when, when they asked Yes, on these two months, who we need someone to lead a Bible study in a prostitution hotel. I said, yes. I don't know why. I'm 19 years old. Listen, I was born and raised in the church. Folks, I grew up, I grew up in the church. I have never been drunk. I've never been high. I, 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 none of the, I was the worst person to run a Bible study in a prostitute, ask Elder Jerry, but not me. I can't, can't ask me. I'm, listen, take him his past. I, I had no past. My past was this. Yeah, Sunday school was hard. That's, that's my past. But he would use me. I just said yes. And then the dumbest yes was this. We need, well, then they said we need someone to run evangelism on the streets. I said, yes, I'll run it. But then they said, we need someone to be the worship leader. I said, yes. I knew four chords on the guitar, I, which is like my song list was, can you imagine? And I, they had me do it for seven years. Can you imagine listening to me for seven years lead work? God bless Ricardo. God bless this team up here. God bless Kareem and Elder Vicky and the choir. Folks, you, this, here's the thing. They, they had this wooden leg worship leader who knew a few chords. And here's the question. Why did, Pastor Tim, why did you say yes to leading worship? You're, I'm going to tell you why. Here it is. Because everybody else who knew how to play the guitar wasn't saying yes. So they used the wooden leg worship leader to do it. And the wooden leg worship leader who didn't know very much just kept saying yes. 
And that's what God has called us to do, is God has called us to these kind of things. I was reading the story from Penelope, one of our online host leaders, who said that during the pandemic, she went through a whole season of just mental struggles and battles and asking God all these questions. Then God just told her, just trust me, trust me. And she says, as an introvert, I just kept saying yes. God kept saying, okay, you're going you're to moderate the Women's Speaker Series online. You're going to be an online host for, the ch for Church Online. You're going to volunteer at Summit our Bible college with young adults. And she just kept saying, I kept saying yes, but I'm the worst person for this. But she said, the journey has been amazing. That God has began to deal with my doubts and insecurities. And now I'm raising up other connect group leaders. And eventually I'm helping, I'm helping them lead their own team. That who would have thought that just by saying yes, whether it's to connect groups or yes to Detroit, that God would start to show you your destiny. He would show you your future by saying yes to prostitution hotels, yes to evangelism, and yes to leading worship. God would do it. Here's, here's, listen to this. Who would have thought that saying yes to delivering cheese would be the entry point to the, famous, the most famous king of Israel's history? Delivery. Some of you going like, he's talking about milk, eggs, and now cheese. And this is the week of fasting. This is the worst sermon. You know what's on my mind right now. I want you to think about this. Who would have thought that saying yes to delivering, and I'm saying the word, cheese, would be the entry point to one of Israel's greatest kings? And I want to tell you the cheese story. It's how David started on the journey towards his destiny. David didn't start by going, we need someone who's good with the slingshot. No, no, no. It started with, can you deliver cheese? That's the way his story starts. Folks, some of you are going like, seriously, cheese? Okay, here it is, from the Bible. Then Jesse said to David, his son, take right now for your, to your brothers, take an ephah of roasted grain, here it comes, 10 loaves, run to the camp, and also bring to put on the bread 10 cuts of cheese. They're getting cheese sandwiches on the battlefield. Bring it to the commander of their th of thousand. Look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back the news to me. He says, for Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning to go and do and, and deliver his cheese sandwiches. Folks, look at me for a second. Do you know how David ends up facing Goliath? By, through Uber Eats. That's what he does. It's Uber Eats. They're going like, okay, we put him in the thing. Uber Eats, can you deliver 10 cuts? Can you do, deliver 10 cheese sandwiches to, to, the, to the guys and the commanders? David goes, I'll do it. David gets to the battle where Goliath was taunting the children of Israel. David gets a sling in his hand and a rock in the sling and a stone in the giant's skull that never that would ever, forever define his life. But it didn't come because they needed some marksman or some brave kid. They needed someone to deliver cheese sandwiches. David meets Goliath through a food delivery order. 
That's the way he did it. Because his dad asked him, his brothers needed it, the commanders needed it, David submitted, and David all of a sudden found himself face to face with his destiny that would ever forever change his life, and you would read about his story. But it started with saying yes. You ready for this, church? It started with saying yes to a mundane task that would yield an amazing result. Only God can do that. He did it for them. I was, I was reading this amazing article about Navy SEALs that, that, that have to go through 24 weeks, and they call it BUDS. It's, it's when these, these men, some 200 men, begin to try to become the best of the best, these Navy SEALs. And every time you can't go on any longer, anytime you can't do anything anymore, and you give up on the program, the 24 weeks, you have to walk up, ring a bell, and you leave your helmet there on the ground that's, that, that basically is your testament that I quit. I couldn't do it any longer. And this is what they said. They said 90% of those that go through BUDS, Navy SEAL training, never make it. 90%. Nine, zero. And someone was doing some studies and got some amazing insights on this. And this is what they said. They said, we've realized the ones that made it through. They were talking about the 10%. They said, we realized it wasn't the big built guys. It wasn't the tough guys that with tattoos, it wasn't the college educated stars that came out of with their master's degree. He says, it wasn't the ones that looked like impressive that made it through. And this is what they said. This is the 10% that they came up with that make it through BUDS, Navy SEAL training. He says, at some point during the grueling, punishing training, when they're exhausted, when they're mentally spent, and when it doesn't look as though they can go on, listen to this now, here it comes. They dig deep and find a way. This blew me away. They dig deep and find a way to help the person next to them. Not to get themselves through to help the person next to them. This is what, he says, that's what separates them. They're not thinking of themselves. They're thinking, how do I help somebody else? David was a Navy SEAL. David did not do his job and just go, I don't do cheese. Thank God he didn't say that. But he says, I'll do this for my brothers. I'll do this for the commanders. But David had no idea that this, that his brothers not only needed it and the commanders not only needed it, but the nation of Israel needed him. That God was going to use this. That what David may have thought was a mere cheese sandwich delivery was going to be a door that would open up his future. That if David thought he was better than cheese, better than delivering cheese, he misses the door that God would have used to get him there. Folks, serving, serving is the door to calling. Let me say that again. Serving is the door to calling. If David waits for a more respectable assignment, then he is still watching sheep and misses the moment. Goliath is there. Goliath is waiting and just needs some. How do I get to Goliath? By just obeying and submitting to my father. That's the entry ramp into destiny. It's a humility test. Let, let me say it like this. Hudson Taylor that we talked about who brought the gospel first into China says it like this. Don't miss this. This is good. 
Taylor said, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. That, that's, that's, that's what happens. It's not just little things. It's going, if I stay faithful with that, that's what God begins to honor. Church, leader is mentioned only six times in the Bible. Servant is mentioned 900 times. It's, it's connecting to the right thing. Many times the people that can defeat the giant are never selected to defeat the giant because they don't want to deliver the cheese. Let me say that again because you got too quiet like you're angry with me, which, which is fine. Many times there could be 10, 15 giant killers in this place that could defeat Goliath. But you never get there if you don't start delivering cheese. If you don't start with what seems to be menial, mundane, and, and, and something that is trivial. But what you define as trivial could be absolutely massive. You don't kill Goliath on Goliath missions, but on cheese missions. And usually happens on, on that delivery moment that God all of a sudden goes, you said yes to this humble task that I can trust you now with, with this in your hand. Folks, you have no idea what God can open up. Listen, I have to tell you this remarkable story that God, that as we're reading the upper room messages that Jesus is giving to us, as we're talking about the talents and we're talking about the recliners and the servers, I, I want to just give to you one of the most remarkable moments on how they, they found the room. Let, here's the story. It's in Mark chapter 14. Th listen to this. Jesus sent two of them, meaning the disciples who were in Jerusalem, with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him, and at the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up, and that is where you should prepare your meal. Folks, do you understand what's about to happen? This is going to be the most famous meal of all time, at the most famous table, in the most famous room, that artists will paint pictures worth millions of dollars of this. Da Vinci will paint it and could be con considered a masterpiece. But here's what's amazing. How this happens, you could miss it, and it's all it, it, it all leans on one word. Go back to that first verse that we just read there. So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, here it is, church, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Now look up here. You can't miss this. This is, this is absolutely remarkable. Listen to it. This is what it says. A man carrying it. Now, folks, I'm just, I'm just giving you culture. I'm just giving you first century. Men don't carry water in the first century. It was considered, ladies, don't look at me all mean here, okay? This is not, I'm just, I'm just giving you customs and manners, okay? Okay, it was a woman's job to do this. Men were the recliners. Women were the servers. Okay, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I know I'm getting in hot water here. I'm just, I'm just telling you, stop looking at me mean, ladies. So here it is. I don't know why that man was carrying water that day. I don't know, well, that would be the guy. Is, is he doing, is he serving his wife? 
Is, is, he, is, he, is he obeying his wife and, and really angry with water on his head going like, she said she's cooking food and I have to go and now I have to carry the water. I don't know why. But do you understand something? Because he did, he was the leader to the upper room. He was the guy. That what you thought, I could just go, he's just thinking, man, I'm, it, it, let's, let's, it's the good point. He's going, I'm serving my wife. My wife needed my help. My wife is sick. She can't carry water anymore. I'm going to do this because I want to honor my wife whom I love and is unable to do this. And God goes, you have no idea because you're serving your wife and doing this. You're going to be part of a story of the most famous meal and the famous room. What you thought, here it is, listen to it, Times Square Church, what you thought was a silly water jug on top of your head was actually an entry ramp into destiny that God would use you and you would be talked about in 2023 in New York City. Nobody knew that carrying water was going to get you in the Bible. And some of us are sitting here, here it is, and we don't want to deliver cheese. We don't want, we don't, oh, oh, okay, let me, here it is. Here it comes. Listen, a cheese delivery or carrying water is doing something for others that will never get noticed, praised, and seem insignificant. And here's the part I wrote down, and it seems beneath your skill sets. I got an MBA. They're asking me to watch kids in the nursery unless they want to learn about quantum physics. They're looking at the wrong part. I teach at NY, NYU and they want me to stand there at the, as an usher and welcome. Yes! Yes! Yes, we do! Yes, we do, Professor. Do they know how much money I make on Wall Street? Here, let me help you. I don't care. Because I'm trying to help you with your destiny. I'm trying to help you with what God's called you to do. In, here it comes. What you're trying to hold on to is reclining. We're trying to put you into serving. Because that's what God, listen, this is so important. What God wants to do. Because serving works on the character. It works on the attitude. So stop, here it comes. Stop trying to find your destiny. Just, okay, here it comes. How do I find my destiny? Here it comes. Like this. We got cows. Chickens, cheese deliveries, man, and now he's talking about phones. Here it is. You want to know, you want to know how, where your destiny is? Get your phone and look on your armrest. There is a QR code. If you hit that QR code, it is going to give you jobs all over the church that you can do. You're going, you set me up. Exactly. That's what we do. We just set you you're just trying to get volunteers. Nope, I'm trying to get you to your destiny. I'm trying to get you to be what God's called you to be. I'm trying, because if you go ahead and QR code, listen, don't, don't pretend you don't even know how to QR code. I know some of you 75 Abrahams and 80 Moseses, you're going like, I, I don't even know how to do it. Yes, you do, you've been doing it with menus and everything else. So go ahead, you put that thing on there and it's gonna show you opportunities for serving cheese and for carrying water. 
This, this is what God, and if you're here today and you're going like, well, I don't, I don't know exactly what I want to do. Here's a great news. September 10th, two weeks from today, we're going to do a volunteer banquet in our, in our annex that you're going to be able to see all the ministries that are up there that God can use you. Join a ministry. Join the choir. Join music. Now, you can't join the music. You can't say, I want to play, and you don't play. So you got to have, I mean, like you can't go, I want to play the guitar, and the Holy Spirit's going to teach me. Okay. Okay, let's... Let's, let's, let's just all relax, okay? Let's, at that point, let's all relax. So it could be, it could be going, hey, listen, I, I, I'll serve just, or I'll, I'll do it with the teens. I'll do it with 212. I'll do it with children. It could be me in security, missions. It could be, here's something for you. I was reading the story that was sent to us by, Gar, by, um, by Garciella, who's, who watches online from Uruguay. And she may be watching right now for Garciella. Do you know why she watches online? Because she too has a husband named Walter who suffers from severe dementia. And she cannot take him out of the house in their community in Uruguay to go to the local Spanish-speaking church. So she joins Times Square Church every single Sunday with her husband. And they watch online. And do you know why they do it? Because there's a Spanish translation ministry that translates, that when, when Ricardo sings something in Spanish or Elder Vicky, eyes light up and all of a sudden they're starting to hear their language on YouTube. Folks, what you've invested in even for the Vision Fund, for us to be able to, and we're getting, as we have launched TSC Spanish, TSC Arabic, TSC Chinese, and getting ready to launch TSC Hindi, and next year TSC French and the other languages that were, folks, here's what I want to just challenge you with. Listen, listen, it could be in the translation ministry. If you are here and you speak Portuguese, Arabic, Korean, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Japanese, French, then QR code it. God can use you. It may, it may just seem like cheese delivery, water jug on the head, but you have no idea what God can do through this. So here's what I want to close. Here it comes. This is, this, is, uh, this, is, this is so important. So here's the closing. Really good but long. Here it comes. So I want to give you, as, the, as instruments will be coming out, um, I have to close by mentioning a man in the New Testament that appears only three times. And his name is Demas. Demas has three verses in the New Testament and they tell a very important story and a progression of really his life. He is gonna, you're gonna see a man that didn't go from recliner to serving but really from serving to recliner and then there is a, a final step that literally shocked me of this man. Demas' three verses all happened within seven years. It's in chronological order that I'm gonna give them to you. It starts in 60 AD, the next verse comes two years later, and the verse after that will come five years later. It's a seven year journey that's packed into three verses. Seven year journey. Let me give you the first verse where this man shows up and you're gonna see a man who is serving. Philemon chapter one, the Bible says, Epaphras, Paul is speaking, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greets you. And then he says these words, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. And then he calls them my fellow workers. These are the men. These aren't recliners. 
These are servers. These are water pitcher carriers. These are cheese delivery. These are the wooden leg people. They are with me, what Paul says. Now, folks, something happens just a few years later, and it's Demas' second verse, two years later. Paul makes mention of his name, and this is what it says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, and also Demas. And all of a sudden, what you have is he loses the title of fellow worker, and he's just called, he's just speaking now. He just sends you his greetings. Something is lost here. There's something dangerous that happens. Because Luke in Philemon is a, co- is a co-worker, co-laborer, cheese delivery man, one leg, one, one peg leg man. But now in Colossians, it's just a name now. He's not even called a fellow worker, a co-laborer. And then folks, a few years later, he goes not only from a fellow worker to just a name on a list, but here's Demas' third verse. Listen to 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Do you understand what just took place? He's helping Paul. The second verse, he's just a name on a list, reclining. And now the third time, he is a deserter. He's left Paul. He's left the ministry. He's loved the world and walked away from it. Demas is helping. Then Demas is just showing up. And now Demas has deserted. Folks, do you understand how some of you are sitting here today that you used to serve and all of a sudden you think, folks, listen to me, you think we're just asking for volunteers. No, 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 no. We're trying to rescue your lives. What happens to recliners is folks, instead of loving to serve, they end up starting to love the world. And then all of a sudden their gift is not used for enhancing, to bringing the gospel. The gift is used on themselves. Now you have cows drinking milk and you have chicken eating eggs because now their gift is not used for other people. Well, I'm not serving unless I get paid. I want a stipend. I want, folks. Okay, you ready for this? That's not called serving. That's, that. when you get paid, you're not serving. Oh, I need Woo! I just I see I see like daggers coming at me in this in this place. I just listen listen carefully. This is so important. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. That's what it is. Your talent. God's going. Here it is, one, one talent, two talents, five talents. Now you can take that and recline, or you can take that and going, I'm not living life cautiously. I'm living for the, for what our Bible school says, I'm living for the benefit of others. That's what I'm called to do. So let me, here, here's, here's, here's what I'm so thankful for. I'm so thankful that David does a cheese delivery. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that a man walks with a jug on his head of water. I'm so, thank God David didn't go, I don't do cheese. Thank God a man doesn't go, I don't do women's work. Thank God. Folks, when you look throughout history, you know 
that history has changed because men have become servants. Thank God that Michelangelo didn't say, I don't do ceilings, I only do canvases. And you stop to think about servanthood. Thank God that there was a German monk named Martin Luther who didn't say, I don't do doors. But it was used to start the Reformation on the Wittenberg door. The world is a better place because an Oxford Don named John Wesley didn't say, I only speak in pulpits, I don't speak in fields. And, and it was through his evangelistic outreaches in fields, not pulpits, that literally brought revival and, and to, to the nation, to, 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 the, to the UK. Go from the beginning of the Bible to the end and you will see it over and over again that men and women who had servants' hearts, minds, and spirits, the world has changed because of that. Moses didn't say, I don't do deserts. Noah didn't say, I don't do boats. Jeremiah didn't say, I don't do weeping. Amos didn't say, I don't do speeches. Thank God Rahab didn't say, I don't do hiding spies. Ruth didn't say, I don't do harvesting in fields. David didn't say, I don't do cheese. Mary didn't say, I don't do virgin births. I'm so thankful Mary Magdalene didn't say, I don't do feet. Paul didn't say, I don't do letters. And thank God, Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses. But he died for our sins. Stand with me and let me read. Let me read to you as you stand. Listen to the ultimate servant, Jesus, and his progression from servanthood to destiny. Listen to it. Listen, I want you to watch the progression to serving. You know, um, I have to say it like this. L listen to these words. Someone said, it, someone said this. How do you know if you have a servant's heart? It's by how we act when we're treated like one. Let me say that again. How do you know if you have a servant's heart? It's how you act and respond when you're treated like one. All of a sudden it changes. Listen to the progression of the greatest servant. It's the ultimate servant, his progression. Jesus, Apostle Paul says, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here it comes. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped. But here it comes, emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man, found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Listen to the, 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 the progression of serving. Folks, it seems to be going down. But here, here listen, listen to it. So he's in heaven. He's with God. He is God. But all of a sudden, when heaven says, we need a servant, there's Jesus, Son of God, saying, I'll serve. And this is what it says. He emptied himself. Here it comes. He emptied himself. Took on the form of a bondservant. Made in the likeness of man. Humbled himself. Obedient to the point of death. Even death on a what? Cross. Folks, in the world's eyes, remember, go all the way back. You look and go, what a waste. But when you serve in the kingdom of God, it's not over. Do you know what the next verse says? Here it is. For this reason, God highly exalted him. 
bestowed on him a name which is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, hallelujah, every knee will bow of those in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, hallelujah. You can go to heaven because Jesus became a servant. You can live forever because Jesus became a servant. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thank God Jesus did crosses. Thank God. Jesus kingdom. That's what he's come to do. That's our example. And then we're told, have that same attitude. Because some of you are going like, I ain't QR code nothing. Oh, that's a great attitude. <laughs> that's what Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is going, mm -mm. No, listen. Jesus goes, just tell me what to do, Father. Tell me what to do. Cheese sandwiches, done. There's Goliath. Water jug, honey, I'm doing this for you. I know, I know the guys are going to make fun of me. All the Jerusalem men are going to make fun of me because I'm walking around with a water jug on my head with a bunch of ladies, and all the guys are going, oh, look at you, look at you, you look at you. How come your wife's not doing it? Is she the boss of the family now? And you can't do it. And all of a sudden, God in the middle of all this goes, don't even worry about it. I'm taking you to the upper room, and you're about to bring them to the place. So you go to that Times Square church, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm serving children. I'm over there working with three and four-year-olds. You, you're a Wall Street trader and you're working with three and four-year-olds? Yeah, because that's our next evangelists, our next preachers. That's our next people that God is going to begin to use. Carry the water jug. Stop reclining. And say, God, I just want to serve. I get to go to heaven because God served us. I get to go to heaven because God served us. He came 2,000 years ago to serve you. And today, you have an opportunity because of his servant's heart to go, God, thank you. I want my life changed. I want my life changed. Do you know what? Because he served us, he says now you can live in heaven forever. But here's the catch. You've been invited because of what Jesus did. You've been invited to eternity. But here's the catch. You have to RSVP. You have to respond. You don't automatically go. Jesus goes, I've opened up heaven to you. All I'm asking you to do is RSVP. How, how does that happen, Pastor Tip? Ooh, here it comes. Get ready online. It's as simple as ABC. <laughs> okay. God, God forgive me because I had a little attitude in that one. I had a little attitude. I had a little attitude. God forgive me. Someone goes, amen. <laughs> it is as simple as ABC. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Jesus said, no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. That's not our term. That's Jesus' words. Jesus said, if you want to go to heaven, you must be born again. Just as you had a first birth physically, you need a second birth spiritually. 
How do you become born again? A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. Admit with all of us in this place that I'm broken on the inside. Those that are watching from Nigeria, those that are watching from Norway and Sweden, those that are watching from Guatemala and Venezuela, it's admitting that we're a sinner. We're broken on the inside. And you can't fix yourself. There's not a prescription or a program There's not a promise you can make to God that you're going to stop. There's not a priest, a pastor, a synagogue, a mosque, a cathedral that can ever, there's not a temple that can change you. Only God can change us. We're not sinners. We're not not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a Savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. Well, how does that happen? That's the B word. Believe. Believe that God sent His Son for me to die for me. He became my sin bearer died in my place, died the death I was supposed to die, lived the life I couldn't live to give me a reward I don't even deserve. It's the most important question any of us can ask of ourselves. Have I been born again? Folks, look at me for a second. Jesus did not go to the cross, suffer the pain that he did so, so, so only to get you to sit in a chair on Sundays for two hours. That's called religion. Religion says I want you for two hours. Relationship says I want you every day of the week and every moment. That's what, re- that's what relationship Jesus died for a relationship didn't die to get two hours with you he died to have you forever and see confessing him as Lord what does that mean you're the boss now you're in charge of my life it means don't just talk to me on talk to me every day it means you have veto power Romans 10 9 and 10 when you call Jesus Lord you're saying this you can veto anything that's going on you know better than me that's what it works I want everybody to close your eyes, bow your heads for just a moment. We're going to close here in the next three minutes. And here's I'm going to ask you. Have you been born again? Today you can be, your whole future can be changed. Your tomorrow can be changed. You can have the assurance today that you are born again. If you're here today, and you're going, Pastor Tim, I, I want to be born again, but, but, but I'm not perfect. Exactly. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And you can be forgiven today. And today, just just right now, I'm not going to ask you to walk forward. I'm just going to ask you this. We're all going to pray a born-again prayer. But if you're here today, I'm going to ask you to RSVP. And here's how I'm going to ask you. In the next 20 seconds, your RSVP is going to be a hand raised to say, put me in that prayer, Pastor Tim. When you pray that born-again prayer, I want to start a journey with God. I want my life to be changed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're saying, Pastor Tim, when we pray that prayer, I'm RSVPing today. I want to be born again. If that's you, with no hesitation, if you're here today and say, put me in that prayer, I want to be born again. Hold up your hand as high as you can. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see every hand. Yes, 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 yes. There, 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 there. In the back, gotcha. There, 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 gotcha. I see you back there, up there. I want to make sure I don't miss anybody. Balcony, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All the way in the back. Gotcha, gotcha. You two guys, young men right over there, gotcha. And I got you right there in the corner. Come on, can we thank God for what he has just done? So here's what we're going to do. Let's all pray this together. Come on, say this with me out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin my shame and my guilt and you died for it you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go 
you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.